mystery. In our history. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to the Mystery in Our History podcast, where we take an in-depth look at all things urban legend and conspiracy theory related, and how they came to be. I am J.R. Supa, and joining me as always is Chris Barry. Howdy, howdy. So on this week's episode, we are continuing our dive into alien lore, and we are looking at uh, alien interaction, alien sightings, alien abductions in the United States. Uh, Last week... We did the uh, Roswell incident and what kind of made Area 51 uh, the staple for alien lore that it is. And this week we're going to kind of deep dive into um, all the different, well not all the different, but some of the different um, select UFO sightings, alien abductions, um, the more prevalent ones. All right, so let's get started. Um There are documented reports of UFO sightings dating back to 1942 and continuing through history until as recently as 2018. Um, I couldn't find anything for 2019, but I'm sure there's some out there as well. There's a lot more talk about it in 2019, like openly. Yep, that's true too. Um, But as we discussed last episode, the late 40s were the start of the UFO mania that um, took over, swept the nation. And it just grew from there. So today we want to touch on some of the most well-known alien encounters and abductions in the United States. And in order to do that, we need to talk about the one that started it all. Absolutely. But before before we do, have you ever seen an UFO yourself or anything that may have been close? Um, I personally have not seen a UFO. I've actually, I've seen ghosts, but I've not seen a UFO. So no alien encounters, but when we get into some of our... Our ghost we gotta talk myths. about that sometime. I got, I yeah. got some. I got some cool stories. I've also never seen a UFO personally. I've seen satellites that I thought maybe were it was a UFO, but like never actually seen anything that made me go. I bet you. I bet you that was someone else there. So yeah. Um, but I'm always looking. Yeah. I'm always looking. Well, and that's I the funny believe. thing. Ever since I moved to the country, I just like night gaze. Like I'll take my dog out at like twelve o'clock at night because I'm still up, and he, you know I. I I look because it's there's like no clouds and there's no pollution, so it's literally like I can see all the constellations, all the stars, and everything. I'm always just like looking around, and being like, "Could there be something?" I doubt yeah. it, but you never know. One day you'll find something. Yeah, one of us watch. <laughs> one of us gets abducted after this, or we get a visit no. from the Men in Black. That's we'll see. That's another episode. I, come say hi. <laughs> that's a couple episodes away. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Um, the story that started it all, right? Barney and Betty Hill. So Barney and Betty Hill were an American couple who claimed that they were abducted by extraterrestrials in a rural portion of the state of New Hampshire, where Chris hails from. Yep. Uh, from September 19th to September 20th, 1961. It was the first widely publicized report of an alien abduction in the United States and would come to shape all of modern alien lore. So, like you mentioned, I, I do live actually about uh, 40 minutes away from the site. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I've had not yet made my way there, but uh, I was actually to supposed to go last weekend, and uh, just <laughs> my weekends have been busy, but yeah. I, I plan on making it soon. 
yeah we'll check it out well and you know we're we're probably going to do one follow-up episode um to all of these alien episodes depending on the timing and and the time frame of everything because obviously we'll have to do an update on what happens at uh area 51 when it gets stormed yeah yep but anyway it was shortly before midnight on september 19th and the hills were driving from canada to portsmouth new hampshire near the resort of indian head new hampshire they stopped their car in the middle of route three to observe a strange light moving through the sky the next thing they knew they were about 35 minutes further along in their trip and several hours had elapsed yeah, that's uh, that's a very common theme when it comes to abductions. Uh, people that have been abducted and usually notice like a big lapse of time mm-hmm. that they just they um, it's not that they can't recall it. It's just that they don't miss it. Then then they realize like time has moved forward. Yeah, we're um, gonna see that a lot in a lot of these abduction stories. Yeah, featured heavily in the X Files too. That's yeah, true. They X-Files do that all the time. All like any any time in the X Files, there was an abduction show yep. like the you know one of their episodes was about an abduction they they always say like i was here this minute and then all of a sudden it was like two hours later yep yeah absolutely so um after they saw the light and and after the the time had you know disappeared if you will betty telephoned their close friend major paul henderson at nearby Pease air force base to report the ufo sighting Major Henderson found that this was corroborated by two separate UFO reports from radar data from two different Air Force installations nearby. All three reports are officially recorded in Project Blue Book. Yep, and for the, for people who are unfamiliar with Project Blue Book, it's one of the uh, it's a series of systematic studies of un, unidentified flying objects. It's conducted by the U.S. State, United States Air Force uh, beginning in 1952. And if aliens had been working with the government at all, it could just be a false flag operation. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to yeah channel right. channel my inner Alex Jones. Yeah, <laughs> the false demons. flag operation. <laughs> Turning all the frogs gay. Come on. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> two weeks later, Betty began having nightmares, and in her nightmares, she described being taken aboard an alien spacecraft and having medical experiments performed on her. As a result of these nightmares, Betty and Barney decided to undergo hypnosis therapy. ...practice to uncover yes. repressed memories, not only with abduction, but with other things as well, but also with abduction. Often um, with any kind of trauma. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, sometimes, however, uh, I'm sure you know, it can lead to people having mental breakdowns, mm-hmm. recalling something because their memory had basically put it aside for a reason. It's so traumatic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. You, you see it a lot with um, abuse cases and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that where, you know, they'll they'll use hypnosis to kind of draw that out. And it does sometimes, unfortunately, cause like a mental break because your brain suppresses this terrible thing that's happened to you so much that when it finally comes to the surface, however long you've been kind of suppressing the feelings that go along with it also come to the surface. And it's just too much to handle. Absolutely. Now, it should be noted that the hypnosis took place weeks after the incident. This wasn't like a see the light, lose the time, have the nightmares, right? Like this is two weeks later she started having nightmares, and then after that they're going to do hypnosis. 
Now, in separate sessions, which is important, Betty and Barney took separate hypnosis sessions. They described nearly identical experiences of being taken on board the alien spacecraft by what we now call greys. Those little people, big heads, big eyes, gray skin, Mm -hmm. your basic gray. Short beings with huge black eyes, smooth gray skin. Both of the hills had a whole spectrum of tests done. Yeah, it is funny, too, because, again, you know, people sometimes think about aliens being like spectral beings and they just kind of appear however you can comprehend them. So it honestly it makes you wonder if people are really seeing this this humanoid figure or if it's just what they're their their brain comprehends or maybe even like a planted memory mm-hmm. uh, who knows there's so so many questions i have well and we'll I, i'm gonna touch on that in just a minute too because that actually you bring up a very good point um so one of the i guess kind of debunking phases of this of betty and barney hill um people have said you know Right before they kind of went into hypnosis and stuff, um, the Twilight Zone had just come out with like an alien episode. The There was another show, and I can't remember what it was, that had just come out with like another kind of alien-related episode. So like that subconsciously could have been planted in their heads. But what's interesting is is that um, the your basic gray experience is what Barney described. Betty actually described something depicting short guys with black hair and, quote, Jimmy Durante, end quote, noses. <laughs> uh, Betty, however, was shown a star map, which she was able to memorize and reproduce later, um, ev- evidently during her abduction, and which has been identified as showing Zeta Reticuli, as the alien's home planet. Now recall, Zeta Reticuli was in our last episode as well when we were discussing Roswell and Area 51. This is not the first time that we've heard Zeta Reticuli. So again, did they hear it from them? Or no, I'm sorry, that was Bob Lazar. So Bob Lazar, could he have heard it from this account? Right, right. You know what I mean? But anyway, um, after the experiments, they were taken back to their car in a day's condition and sent along their way which is like driving under the influence. You'd think like the aliens would, you know, show a little more compassion. But anyway, Chill out a little. this this comes full circle to them coming out or coming to around 35 miles further along in their trip. It's a, it's a little off topic, but like it would be damn nice to cut 35 miles out of your drive like that. It's like that the world's be best road hypnosis right there. You just wake up and you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> 35 miles closer. We're not dead, and I've yeah. not had to endure 30 minutes in the car. 50 miles out. Or, yeah, <laughs> 50 minutes out the window. Great. So these accounts of events directly correlate with the information at Pease Air Force Base. Air, Air Force Base. So that's something else to kind of take into account. Like, it all kind of fits. Barney Hill died a few years after the abduction. Betty went on to write books and speak at conventions, and general consensus is that Betty lost her mind. Now, she became obsessed with UFOs and claimed to have seen squads of them at times. 
and someone who accompanied her to a UFO vigil was actually quoted as saying she was, quote, unable to distinguish between a landed UFO and a streetlight, end quote. But this could also just be from the trauma of the original abduction. Right, right. And uh, something I'd like to point out about the Hills is that they were an interracial couple seven years ago. Uh, I'm not seven years ago. (laughs) They were an interracial couple seven years after segregation was eliminated in the United States. So uh, I bring it up because if it was faked, what would be the motive at that point? money there was no getting money or deals out of stuff like this at the time you know so what was the point they basically put a big target on their back and they were harassed by locals as the crazy interracial couple that claimed to be abducted yeah so definitely didn't do them any good to draw this much attention to themselves during this particular time period absolutely not yeah but that is the story that started it all benny and or i'm sorry betty and barney hill now there's a lot of other notable abductions out there we're only going to touch on a few of them um and we're going to try and go i think in chronological order um staying in the 60s we have the 1967 abduction of herbert Shermer. now as a patrolman Herbert was passing through the intersection of Highway 6 and Highway 63 on the outskirts of Ashland, Nebraska. Why do all of these take place in the Midwest? Not all of them. A lot of them. Like, I feel like a lot of them are like, because like the crop circles and all that kind of stuff, which we're not even touching. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, we got got a couple of uh, New England ones in here. That's true. Anyway. Crazy um, in New England. Yeah. So as Shermer passed through the intersection of Highway 6 and Highway 63 on the outskirts of Ashland, Nebraska at 2.20 a.m., he saw what appeared to be red lights on a large truck stopped a short way down Highway 63. He decided to check it out. So he drove the short distance down 63 and stopped with his headlights shining on the object. Now, according to Shermer, the object was definitely not a truck. The red lights that he had seen were blinking through the oval portholes of metallic oval-shaped objects. Patrolman Shermer noted that the object appeared to be made of aluminum, had a small walkway around it, and below, some sort of landing gear. Getting ready to call in the incident, the object rose up with flames shooting out of the bottom end, and then it suddenly swooshed right over his patrol car. So I was reading an account of this, and according to Mr. Shermer, he actually decided not to call it in, uh, but to actually drive back to the station and just report it because he didn't really think it was really anything of interest, which I thought was a little odd. Um, Like, yeah, right. How much shit have you had to see as a cop to be like, nah? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) just another saucer, I guess. But uh, yeah, so he drove to the station minutes down the road uh, and he noticed that the time was actually 3 a.m. when he got there. Now, when he showed up, he thought his clock was wrong. But when he went into the station, he noticed that time had passed on all the clocks were reading 3 a.m. So he Uh, lost 40 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And just a couple of minutes down the road was the station. So um, on February 13th, uh, 68, after being uh, interrogated by several Air Force officials, Shermer was asked to undergo hypnosis under the guidance of Wyoming University psychologist. While under hypnosis, Shermer recalled that after he stopped his car near the object, the engine died and his radio went silent. 
a white object emerged from the craft and seemed to communicate with him telepathically, preventing him from drawing his his gun and attempting. Uh, it, it prevented him from drawing his gun because he was attempting to do so. Um, and again, it's just you know more repressed memories of mm-hmm. aliens dug up under hypnosis. It, it's crazy what you forget. Are, yeah, that's, are that's, made to forget. That's that's wild, man. And like, and that's the thing too is like. So if hypnosis works, there's no way for them to make this crap up, right? Because they're actually hypnotized, right? So like, if you're under hypnosis and hypnosis is a thing, then it obviously would mean that they're just telling whatever they actually believe happened or witnessed or whatever. But if it's a crock, then a bunch of people are going undergoing hypnosis and then just making shit up exactly yeah and then staying yeah, who knows? and then not telling a soul that they made stuff up that's the other thing have you ever been hypnotized no not that uh, i, I did it <laughs> yeah i i did it at like a uh like a, a high at high school they had a hypnotist there um and honestly i i it didn't really affect me much. I, I didn't really go under hypnosis. I was still pretty conscious mm-hmm. the entire time. But again, I, I believe that's probably different from than like a professional. So yeah, I mean, there's not to like, say he wasn't. There's magicians, and then there's like professional hypnotists, right? Like a psych, like a uh, like a right. psychiatrist. That yeah, like that's using that as plus. It's a totally different environment, right? You're probably getting hypnotized in high school in like the gym in front of you know god knows how many people like you're you're hyper aware of your surroundings it's not going to be as easy to relax and actually fall under the hypnosis right right so um the next thing i want to talk about is also from 1967 and this is also from new england as the hills were and this is the betty andreessen abduction of 1967 in the town of south Ashburnham, Massachusetts. And I apologize if I pronounce it wrong, but I pronounce pretty uh, much everything else wrong on this show, so who gives a shit? <laughs> dude, you know someone from Mass is like, dude, it's called Ashburnham. It's just like, what? Exactly. Fuck off. So, it's like Worcester. Yeah. I mean, Worcester? <laughs> yeah, Worcester. No, it's Worcester. It's Worcester. Fuck off. Yeah. All right. So Betty was in her kitchen around 6.30 p.m. on the night of her abduction. The rest of her family... Seven children, her mother and her father, were in the living room. The lights in the house began to blink, which is already creepy. And a red light beamed into the house through the kitchen window. Betty's kids were on edge after the lights blinked, and she ran to quiet them. I've been noticing a lot, too, and it's something that I never really strung together doing my own research. But a lot of UFO abductions are contact. Uh, there's a connection with like um, electricity flickering lights in and out, and, and lights blinking and all that. I wonder if it's just like a, like pulling energy out of the air for the for the craft, or if it's drawing the energy using the energy from the light. Um, it could also have something to do with. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is if this is all actually happening because me and my skeptic hat, you know are so so although aliens is one of the things that i actually have more belief in than most um let's say this is all actually happening it could just be whatever engine is powering the ship that they're using for transportation Mm -hmm. could just be emitting some kind of an energy wave that is interfering with the electricity that we're using yeah 
I mean, when the wind blows too hard at my job, sometimes electricity goes out. And we're talking yeah. about 67, so maybe some, some wind was knocking the lights around or some right. shit. I mean, it, literally, it, it, like, raindrops start falling and my generator has to kick on. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so, startled by the red beam, Betty's father ran to look out from the kitchen window to see where the light was coming from. <laughs> He was amazed to see five strange creatures heading toward their house in a hopping motion. He was startled to see the creatures simply walk through the wooden door of the kitchen right into the house. In a moment, the entire family was put into a type of trance. Dude, how funny would it be to see this son of a bitch with a fucking shotgun and a wife beater walk right on that front porch be like, hippity hoppity, get off my property to these bouncing ass aliens. Like, <laughs> like Jesus Christ. The bouncing, though? <laughs> what you know a what weird I mean? detail. It's such a weird detail. Like, that's now that, that that's unique. It I really is. That. Like, I've, that's, this is the only um, thing that I could find where the aliens were hippity hopping. Yeah, but it's funny because later they contradict themselves and say that they were floating and levitating. Right. Well, and that's the other thing is like, okay, so they, they when they need to run, they hippity hop and then they walk through the door and then they float. Yeah. Yeah. Pick one, goddammit. I don't roll I don't I don't roll uh to my doorway and then uh, right. hop to my car and then yeah. uh lay down in the front seat. Exactly. Like I'm not skipping yeah. up my driveway. Yeah, I walk. Anyway. I do one. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Betty's father would be attended by one of the creatures, while another began to have a telepathic uh, conversation with Betty. She and her father both thought that one of the creatures was the leader because he was about five feet tall, and the other four of them were approximately one foot shorter. They had very wide eyes, small ears and noses, set in a pear-shaped head. They were only slits where their mouths should have been, and they only communicated with their minds. Now, for me, the interesting thing is that, like, when you picture a basic gray, there are no facial, facial features. you got the big eyes, you've got the little slit for the mouth, and, like, a couple holes for the nose, but there are no—even—and in, in that's sometimes rare— like, most of the time, no nose, no ears. Yep. You know, the mouth, I get the mouth being just a little slit because it's not used for talking. It's just used for consuming, if that. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, it's it's uh, it's also wild to me that they communicated with their minds. Mm-hmm. It's just, again, another common theme with, with alien yeah. stories is the telepathic communication. And I wonder if that's just a way of them breaking any language barrier with human, with any animal. Like, I wonder, like, if they if they approached a dog, if they could communicate with a dog, like, hey, we're not a threat. Calm down. Like, we're, we're all, right. all set. Like, actually speak to this dog. Well, and you'll, you, you see when you read about, like, these abductions that are taking place outside, some of them, when they get questioned about, like, what was the wildlife doing, we're going to cover um, Rendlesham Forest next episode when we do Alien Interaction from the rest of the world and in Rendlesham Forest you'll see like you know sometimes the the animals know what's going on and they're like either all huddled together for security or they just scatter and it's a possibility that like they sense it and they run but there's also a possibility that like the aliens aren't here to hurt them so maybe they just say like get the fuck out of here yeah you know Um, so according to 
Betty and her family, the five creatures wore a blue coverall with a wide belt. On their sleeves could be, a seen, could be seen a logo of a bird. Three fingers were on their hands, and their feet were shod with boots. They did not actually walk, but floated as they moved along. Betty later would recall that she was not frightened by their presence, but instead felt calm. It's it's weird that she mentions that they're wearing clothes. It's a, that's this not a very you common never thing. Hear about. You it never makes me wonder hear about them being clothed. Yeah, and like obviously, there's like there's uh, speculation of other types of aliens, not mm-hmm. just the gray, but you know, like a, a lizard for one of them, or like sometimes uh, um, I don't know if you've heard of it. I I can't recall the name off the top of my head, but they basically look like. Uh, nordic people they just look like very tall mm-hmm. uh handsome or pretty like blonde white hair like essentially like just Thor. yeah yeah well exactly exactly um so it, it, it makes you wonder maybe it was one of these aliens or something that but they you yeah, know they possibly. have already made contact with earth so they have clothes i don't know yeah i mean that's that's possible the other possibility is they're just full of shit <laughs> Yeah, maybe the aliens just didn't want to fucking hang dong in front of people. Like, yeah, you know, let's yeah. just, just slap on some clothes. Well, but the other thing is too is the the other um, theory that I've heard is that a lot of these alien interactions are actually just time travelers. Mm. That's something no, that's else an that idea. I've heard. Yeah, that's that's something that that's pretty commonly referred to sometimes. Is that like the communication was tele uh, telepathic, but essentially they just end up saying like we're from the future and you know, we are trying to save our race and we're coming back here to like do research so that we don't die out in the future. Weird. Yeah. So anyway, meanwhile, back in the hall of justice, Betty's mother and children were still in a state of suspended animation. When Betty seemed worried about them, the aliens released her 11 year old daughter from the trance to assure her that no harm was being done to her family. Soon, Betty was taken by the aliens to a waiting craft, which rested on a hill outside of her home. Betty estimated the craft to be about 20 feet in diameter and saucer-shaped. So this is, this is actually almost touching upon what you were saying earlier. Um, it's almost theorized that humans don't understand the concept of time correctly. Yeah. Um, I've heard a lot of theories about uh, time is more or less a pocket of space, and not a straight line like we think it is. Um, time theories are, are a hell of a, a mind freak. Time also, we're not crazy. endorsed. Yeah, we're not endorsed by Chris Angel. But Chris, if you are listening, what's up, man? Uh, what's going on? Hit us up. <laughs> endorse the show. Yeah, endorse our show. We'll talk about mind freak. Yeah. No, but that you make a good point, and that's well. And don't forget, like time, technically is a man-made concept yeah right there's there's really no such thing as time until we said we we put like a you know obviously time time exists quote unquote but we day right but but like we put a monetary figure on it or a numerical figure on it to actually give it substance for us to describe our lifespan but like in reality time is just time like it exists but there it, it doesn't necessarily have like numbers it's just there so it could just be like there's a moment in time here and there's a moment in time here and that's like i said you know that's the common thing is that it's just time travel they're just going back to another time yep so 
Betty recalls that after she was aboard the UFO outside of her house, the craft took off and joined a mothership. There she was subjected to physical examination and the victim of tests by strange equipment, which isn't really confirmed or denied, but anal probe. She was given one test with, uh, which caused her pain, anal probe, <laughs> but resulted in being a religious awakening. Anal probe. <laughs> nudge, nudge. <laughs> she estimates that she was gone for four hours before being brought home by two of the aliens. So, <laughs> I mean, listen, anal, anal probe. probe definitely fits in all of those categories. Dude, religious awakening, anal probe. Definitely. <laughs> well, that was the thing that actually piqued my curiosity when I was uh, when I was the anal at probe this. or the religious awakening. The religious oh. awakening, the anal probe. That's that's for that's, that's always for piqued doors. your interest. That's for that's for daddy and shut doors. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, so I was actually curious about uh, religious awakening. So I, I I dug a little bit on that, uh, and I got actually a quote from her, um, and she oh, awesome. said, she said after all of the experiences, exposure, and integration of this other dimension of reality i feel more aware of life its complexities and how like a river it flows calmly onward to awaken the human race towards spiritual harmony now i theorize that she experienced a heightened sense of consciousness while hmm. she was visited um, and that's that's something that i would like to do an episode on too is is uh, heightened consciousness yeah theories. i mean we can get there because there's a lot of interesting stuff. The beauty of this particular show is that there are so many conspiracy theories out there and so many sub-theories of conspiracy theories out there. And we haven't even touched on urban legends yet. So we'll get there. <laughs> True. True. All right. So returning home, she ran to see the rest of her family. They were yet in some kind of suspended state or i'm sorry they were still in some kind of suspended state all along one of the aliens had been waiting behind with her family finally they were released from the bonds of the trance and the aliens left betty had hypnotized sorry betty had been hypnotized and told not to reveal any details of her experience though some of the details of her abduction were temporarily lost to her some things she was able to recall she remembered the power outage the red beam of light coming into the house and the aliens coming in. So I, I wonder if Shermer from our last story was suspended in animation like that when he Possibly. went to draw his gun. Uh, it's it's just it's weird the commonalities of yeah these well stories. like the rest of her family because they were just essentially frozen. Right, right, exactly. Maybe he tried to defend himself and just couldn't, yeah. just you know, couldn't grab his gun or whatever. So some eight years. After her experience, she answered an ad from researcher Dr. J. Allen Hynek. He was soliciting for anyone who may have had an alien experience, and the letter she sent to Hynek was rejected, however, as being too bizarre to be believed. And my infliction during that sentence sucked. <laughs> but essentially, she sent a letter, and even though she believed she had a real experience, they rejected it because it was too crazy. Two more years would transpire before her story would be investigated. The group of investigators included an electronics engineer, an aerospace engineer, and a telecommunications specialist. 
a solar physicist, and a UFO investigator. That's a funky bunch of group. That's a funky bunch. That right is there. that is Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Essentially, they are like Alien Justice League. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> more or less. They're they're the they're the guys that work in the lab. Yeah, of the Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> they're stuck in the Hall of Justice. Yeah, exactly. Super, Superman just comes in and goes, "Hey, run this for me." Yeah, exactly. And he's just like, "God damn, Superman!" Yeah. Just <laughs> sick of working with the mass spectrometer. <laughs> anyway, the results of this analysis were presented in a five hundred and twenty-eight page review, which we are going to read all of right now. Just kidding. <laughs> the review basically stated that Betty and daughter were sane individuals, believing in their experience as presented. The Betty Anderson Luca abduction is a case which still is discussed today by UFO investigators. Yep, absolutely. And honestly, if anyone's interested, uh, they do have the full interview transcript online. You can find it easily with a quick search. Yeah. I found it immediately. So The quick Googles. Yep, exactly. So... Now we move to the year 1975, and this is the Travis Walton abduction. As seven loggers began their journey home, they see a luminous object shaped like a flattened disc. All of the men agreed that Travis Walton, captivated by the sight, left the truck to get a closer look. A blue beam hits him, throwing him to the ground. So uh, Travis actually wrote a book on this, um, and here's a quick quote that he wrote in there. Uh, He wrote, I ducked into a crouch when the tremendous bright blue-green ray shot from the bottom of the craft. I saw and heard nothing. All I felt was a numbing force of a blow that felt like high-voltage electrocution. The intense bolt made a sharp cracking or popping sound. The stunning concussion of the foot-wide beam struck me in full in the head and chest. My mind sank quickly into an an unfeeling blackness. I don't even see what hit me, but from the instant I felt the paralyzing blow, I did not see, hear, or feel anything more. Yikes. Yeah, right? (laughs) The other loggers left Travis behind. (laughs) Fucking bunch of assholes. Yeah, right? Jesus. (laughs) See ya! Yeah, just fucking ditch their pal. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Okay, see ya! Yeah. Um, they eventually went back to look for him. However, they were unsuccessful in finding him because you left him. Yep. He would vanish for five days and soon began telling the story of the inside of an extraterrestrial spacecraft. So, yeah, uh, Travis has a website, uh, Travis-Walton.com, where you can read more about his abduction. I'm a little bit more weary of Travis's account of things for many reasons, and I'm not going to go into, like, very great detail on uh, what he recalls on the ship. You guys can go there and decide for yourselves. Uh, but my doubts stem from a few things. First off, everyone who's been abducted by aliens has had some sort of memory loss or memory block of the event. Right, like, they don't actually remember the full the- kit and caboodle. They may think, like, oh, they ran a couple tests on me. I couldn't tell you what they were. I just know that, like, I was looking up and strapped to a table or something. But right. they never, guy, they never like, word for word tell you, like, first they stuck an anal probe up my butt, and then yeah. they drew blood, and then they, like, gave me x-rays. So, like, yeah, he literally strolls back five days later and is just like, guys, got some information on the UFO that got got us, right? So, eh, 
it's a it's a thing it doesn't it, yeah. it doesn't seem right right but that's like, that's something more out of like a movie where like you get abducted and like you escape and you know what i mean and then like you have to try and get off the ship right exactly secondly most abductees only recall a couple of hours missing this guy was missing for five days i think this guy was missing and kind of writing some sort of fiction to to bring back because he was gone uh <laughs> i was joking earlier that this guy left to go gamble and, and cheat on his wife uh <laughs> and came back was just like nope sorry honey aliens uh yeah, you can, you can talk to my logger buddies they they saw me they left me with the aliens <laughs> he, he was just, good enough he excuse. saw the opportunity he saw a bright blue light and was like there it is <laughs> yeah. i'm out <laughs> Oh, I'm ready to gamble my life savings. Uh, But uh, yeah, and thirdly, aliens at this point in 75 have been almost a little bit more glorified with Area 51, other accounts of of abductions, uh, and people wanted more info. Mm -hmm. People had what they had, but they they kept coming back for more. Uh, The fact that he came back five days later, again, with a full memory of what happened, and that still to this day is selling books about the event, Makes me think that maybe some of this is fabricated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will, however, say that I believe there was a UFO there in the woods that day because it's backed by six other guys. The rest, it's just right. Just, it's just a matter of what actually got yeah. made up. The rest from Travis's personal account, to me, just seems like it could be either like a fame or money grab. But, yeah. I mean, who knows? Uh, no, yeah, it makes it's sense. It's all speculation. Well, we're going to jump one year forward to 1976, and this is the Stanford, Kentucky abductions. I love this one. <laughs> I really do. Like, this one you was the most interesting one. You love everything abduction related. Yeah, I do. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Just, who, who are you trying to kid? This is yeah, your favorite absolutely. episode. It is, yeah. All right. On January 6th, 1976, it was Mona Stafford's 36th birthday. She was joined by her best friends, Louise Smith and Elaine Thomas, to celebrate the event. The three good friends, the three best friends that anyone could have. The three good friends <laughs> went to Redwood Restaurant, which was located south of Lancaster, Kentucky, on US 27, 35 miles from their hometown of Liberty. As the three finished their dinner, they started the drive home, leaving the Redwood Eatery at around 11.15 p.m. The three women were on a jovial mood as Louise Smith sat behind the wheel of her 67 Chevy Nova. That's a beautiful car. Uh, Also, it should be noted that none of the three had any alcohol, no liquor, beer to drink that night. They were stone cold sober. I just, how do you prove that? I guess you can't, right? I guess you can't. I mean, unless maybe like the waiter account. Or yeah, there's witness accounts. Like, oh no, they were in here and... They didn't drink. But anyway, while driving home on Highway 78, the three suddenly see a bright red object in the clear night sky. Another red object. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny. I never really realized how, how common that theme was, too. Yeah, red is, red is there. Yep. It's usually either a bright white light, a red light, or, like, if you're getting abducted, it's like a white-blue light. Yeah, I think they're like, yeah. But Mona, who was visibly frightened thought it was an airplane on fire as Smith was driving to the crash landing. As the glowing object came closer, Smith lost control of the automobile. The little Chevy was now going 85, a speed never traveled before by Smith, 
In a panic, she cries, I can't hold the car on the road. Which I think was more like, I can't hold the car on the road! Yeah. But (laughs) Mona reaches over and tries to help her, thinking that something is wrong with the steering, but she can't control it either. That's great. So the driver of the car goes, I can't control the car, and your first reaction is, let me just grab the steering wheel and pull it towards me. The car continued its high rate of speed without deviation. Yeah, and uh, later Lewis uh, Luis would say, uh, my foot wasn't even on the gas pedal. All three l- women would later recall that the disc was very close to the Chevy. They also recalled that they were looking at what was an enormous metallic disc-shaped object with a dome on top and a ring of red lights around the mid- uh, around its midsection. The women all saw it close enough to see a yellow blinking light on its underbelly as well. That's crazy. This is like, and that's this is one of the few that we're covering where it was like, this is that close up, and it's not just like, this is all happening in motion. Right. I not a lot the of these. Was. Yeah, not a lot of these take place in motion. Yeah, exactly. So the UFO hung over the driver's side of the car for a time before it moved ahead of it on the highway. As it did, a bluish-white light shot into the car, lighting up the interior of the vehicle, again, with the bluish-white light. Yep, yep. Miss um, Smith described the inside of their car as being filled with a haze-like air, sort of a fog. Maybe that's like that the telepathy or something, too, you know what I mean? Like, they go into that state, and it's maybe that's just what you're feeling. Yeah, like a hazy feeling, like mm-hmm. almost like a foggy head. Like yeah. A, uh, yeah, maybe. Um, all three women suffered from a burning sensation so strong that they could not open their eyes from the irritation. Well, maybe if they had... Uh, no, I'm not even going to make that joke. <laughs> I was going to make a bad joke. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> One hour and 20 minutes later, the three found themselves back in the little Chevy again, driving towards Liberty. They were shaken and tense with exposed areas of flesh painful from the burns. So, again, it's more lost time. Also, it's pretty rare to hear of extraterrestrials using any weapons that cause physical harm to humans. Yeah. Um, I've heard... I've well, except, heard, uh, except like, the, the actual um, experiments that they do. But they don't just, like, jump out, cause pain, and bounce. Right, right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, um, they'll, they'll try to capture you and then... then um, try to do an experiment, but they don't right. usually do it with a weapon. Um, and it, it's been documented or, or uh, from firsthand experiences uh, that people are not people. These extraterrestrials are using like gravity weapons or some sort right. of non-lethal means or telekinesis um, or something. Exactly, exactly. But nothing that like would would burn their skin or anything. So that's yeah, that's a that's the first time I've heard of something like that. Yeah, it's 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 that's oh, and that's why this one's kind of in here because it's like it's a little out of the ordinary. Absolutely. The three frightened and scared ladies finally arrived at Mrs. Smith's home, and when they entered, they noticed that the clock in the kitchen showed one twenty, confirming the trip of thirty-five miles had taken over two hours instead of the normal forty-five minutes. So there's more lost time. They immediately went to the house of their neighbor, Lowell Lee, who confirmed the time loss. Confused as to what they do next, they called the police station. And the next day, they phoned the Navy recruiting station. Yep. 
And uh, I, I read that neither of the two calls got them any help. No. Um, the Navy station did give some of the details of the event to a Lexington TV station shortly after the story reached the press um, and was basically given the headline status. So it, yeah. it took... But they but they got nothing. They, they were just kooks. Right. That was it. Yeah. So, and you know, that's... These are just some of the many many documented ufo abductions throughout the united states just in the states yeah right throughout the u.s but the united states is not the only country with a history of alien encounters and that is where we will pick up next time on the mystery in our history podcast as we continue our series on aliens now, if you have any urban legends or conspiracy theories that you think we should cover, feel free to email us at fourguysmedianetwork at gmail.com. Please, sure, please make sure you click the like and subscribe icons if you are listening on YouTube, and please subscribe if you are listening on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week on the Mystery in Our History podcast. Bye. See ya.